anticipating our time, there are a couple of contexts that have, have been pushing me with this, and I have, um, I've done my best to be objective, but I'm not going to be very objective today. Um, uh, there, the, there are two contexts. The first one is, I want us to consider the changes in our lives that we've gone through since we met in September. That's the context. The, the larger context is the change that has taken place in the world. Um, the world is not the same place that it was uh, nine months ago. Yes, all in favor say aye. Not all in favor of the changes, but just all in favor of the notion that, that it's different. It's, it's a different place. Um, we, would not have, we would not have believed today um, one of the, some of the things that are facts if somebody had told us those things nine months ago. Uh, globally, it's true. Uh, financially, it's true. I saw in the paper yesterday, 24%, no, about 20 to 24% of the homes that are owned in the United States today are people owe more than they're worth. So that's, that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of world we're in, kind of nation we're in. P uh, politically we've changed. Um, we won't go any further than that, but politically we've changed. And, and the reason why I want to just continue to unpack the changes for a second is because we've been carrying them around for a long time. And um, so today I want to address them in, a, in an intentional way. Uh, so we've gone through all these changes globally, politically, nationally, even locally. Um, I, the, the Google News page is my, is my home page on, on my computer, so when, it, when that logs in, I get all these headlines. Um, I, I've almost decided I want something else. I'm, I'm tired of seeing the headlines, and especially even around Colorado Springs. Um, within the last 60 to 90 days, the kind of violence that takes place in our town is unusual, I think. Okay, so those are all the exterior changes. Now the changes that we've gone through as, a, as an institution. Um, um, everybody already knows the kinds of shifts that have happened, but I want to say them aloud again. Um, the kind of financial rearrangements that happened, um, we've already said goodbye to some friends who, who did work here. Um, come on in, Lo. <clears throat> oh, well, it'll, it'll take them a while. Um, we've already said goodbye to some friends. Um, we are in the process of saying goodbye to some others. Uh, and most of us are shouldering additional responsibilities that we didn't have back in, back in September. Yes? True? Okay. So, so we need to say that aloud. And then... Um, it seems to me that we've also said goodbye to, uh, to friends and loved ones uh, this year in a way that we haven't before. I mean, we didn't have chapel a month ago because we said goodbye to Ruth Lewis. Um, both Neil and Cheryl Colby have lost their fathers within the past year. Um, I say goodbye to my granddaughter back in October. It seems to me that there are other people who have lost loved ones since September, and I just can't remember. Um, then the challenges that the McConaughey's have gone through with their daughter, and congratulations on your new granddaughter. Thank you. Uh, so uh, 
so that's one of the contexts. That's one of the prevailing contexts that, that we're living in, that we're living with. So that's that piece. The other context is that this is the fourth week of Easter in the Christian calendar. This is the fourth week of Easter. Four, year, four weeks ago, four weeks ago Sunday, we said, Christ is risen. risen One more time. Christ is risen. risen One more time. Christ is risen. risen So these are the two contexts that I want us to consider. And so I want, through the process of the morning, through the process of the songs we'll sing, the scripture, we're going to read the four passages of scripture that are um, those that are assigned for the fourth week, the fourth Sunday in Easter. Um, And I want us to come to Jesus in a lot of different ways, but I want us to come to him. And uh, coming to him means that we recognize all of the changes that we've gone through, that we're living with, that we're anticipating, and we will bring those to him. We can't come to him and hang on to those both. Okay, so that's, so that's where we're headed. Um, I think he invites us to come. I think he invites us to come. So, um, so let's bring all of, all of what we have to him this morning. Jesus, you are all that thrills our soul. Though our realities war against that thrilling. And so we want to say publicly the things that we talk about privately and that we think about individually. And we want to celebrate your resurrection in the face of those realities. We want to celebrate your offer of life to us in the face of those things that we deal with right now. And so I ask that you'd help us to see you in new ways, to come to you in new ways, to bring whatever it is that we need to bring to you in new ways. We want to be more thrilled by you than we are at the moment. That's my prayer. That's our prayer. Um, I know you want to make it so. Help us to respond to you. We pray it in your name. Amen. May be seated. The first of the the texts for this for for this fourth week in Easter is found in John chapter 10. So find the Bible that's close to you. John chapter 10. We're going to start the reading with verse 11. This is Jesus saying to them, to us, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep, runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. 
They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father, the word of the Lord. So I want to remind us of this context, the context of this passage. Jesus is having a conversation. Well, maybe he's doing a little bit of preaching, really. Um, but he's having a conversation with some Pharisees and some other people who are watching this, this, this unfold. In the previous chapter, he has healed a man who was born blind. And the religious leaders are just right up against him doesn't fit their context, doesn't fit their paradigm, doesn't fit their expectation of him, and so they're pushing back on him. And the confusion that is going on in the hearts and the minds of the people, other than the religious leaders, they're just really pushed by all of this. And so Jesus is, is he's making his point again. He's saying to the, to the religious leaders, I am the good shepherd, and you ain't. And he's, saying to, and he's saying to the people who are listening to the conversation, I am the good shepherd, and, and they're not. And so he talks then about this authority that he, has from his, that he has from his father, but essentially what he's doing here is he's contrasting himself to all of the other, quote, shepherds that are around. So there is an indirect invitation here. An indirect invitation. doesn't come out and say it. But essentially, Jesus is saying, this is what they're like. This is who I am. You choose. This is who they are. This is who I am. Come to me. Come to Jesus. I'm not like any of those other shepherds. Application, I think, for us is to make sure that we have one shepherd and that the context and our realities are not those shepherds, but Jesus is. I want us to sing a song that will help us talk about that. Play, get me started, would you? The text is found in Acts chapter 4, and I've asked Mika to read it for us. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, 5 to 12. The next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power of what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this you and all the people of Israel, is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stand before, before you healed. He is the stone your builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. The word of the Lord. 
Okay, thank you. Okay, so in this passage, let me set the context again. There's another healing that's taken place. Only Jesus wasn't physically present, but he's spiritually present through Peter and John. And one more time, someone's life has changed, and one more time, the religious leaders don't like their methodology. So they push back. And so Peter is able to say, I already know how this happened, and, and I'll use the sanctified word again, and it ain't me. It's Jesus who made this possible. In fact, this is the Jesus that you pushed back against. This is the Jesus that you resurrected. And he has given this man the ability to walk. So what will you do with him? That's his question. That's essentially his question. You rejected him. He offers life. What will you do with him? And those folks that day had to consider what they were going to do with Jesus. And so for us, again... Here is a direct invitation. Not an implied invitation like the last one, but a direct one. What will we do with the Jesus who helped, who made that man able to walk? In the light of all of our realities, what will we do with the Jesus who made it possible for that man to walk? That's his question to us. So, a direct invitation, come to Jesus and live. Come to Jesus and have life in exchange for lameness, physical lameness, or certainly the kind of emotional lameness that we're hobbling around with. Yes? Is it okay if I get this close? I'll get closer before we're through, I promise. Um, he offers life to us in exchange for our lameness. Another song that will help us respond to him. Third reading. The third reading is Psalm 23. Anybody know it? I thought you might. So I want us to read it in unison. So let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. It proclaims that Yahweh, the I Am, is the psalmist shepherd. And in, and in processing all of this and anticipating all of this, I was struck by, I was struck by the fact that even though he was his shepherd, they still walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And also, with, were, were, and he was also led into green pastures. And he also had a table set before him. And the promise 
that goodness and it, mercy, I want to say, <laughs> because I hear King James, um, it's probably, and I'd have to look it up, but it's probably the Hebrew word chesed. God's unfailing mercy, his unfailing loving kindness, it's a word that there's not just one English word that you can take care of. So it's mercy and love and gratefulness and, faith, and faithfulness and all of that. God's chesed will follow, will go with us all the days, all the days of our lives. It's no big stretch to see that Jesus is our shepherd in this way. Yes? Amen? All in favor say aye. Okay. Um, it's no big stretch for that. Um, and so just let me say that one more t let me say it one more time in, in this other way. That the things that we are in the middle of and the places where we'll go yet that we haven't been, he'll be right there with us. He will shepherd us if we'll let him. Or we can just kind of find our own way, pull out our GPS and say, okay, now where do I go from here? And so there is this, uh, again, kind of implied invita invitation, this kind of indirect thing. That this is the way life is, and these are the things that we're wrestling with, and we have two choices. We can either let Jesus shepherd us through them, or we can say, no, I'll find my own way. Thanks very much. And I know I'm talking to people who love Jesus, but I also know I'm talking to people who have to make that decision again. We all do. One more time. This is where I am. This is where I've been. This is where I've been. Will I let him be shepherd now and tomorrow? And tomorrow and tomorrow. The, wonderful, the, the interesting thing, the amazing thing is that in his shepherding of us, uh, here's where the analogy breaks down. He waits for us to come back to him. Because most shepherds, if they're taking care of their sheep, the sheep are just too dumb to know where they're supposed to be, and so they chase the dog after them, they get their hook after them, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus doesn't shepherd that way, does he? Does he? It'd be nice if he did. Then we wouldn't have to worry about it. But he doesn't shepherd that way. He says, I'm the shepherd and I'll guide you, but you have to choose to let me do that. So for our realities, um, I want to invite us one more time to find a way to say to Jesus, um, I'll come to you. There's another old gospel song that I want us to sing. Um, it's, it's all the way my Savior leads me. Anybody know the song? Okay. We're going to change the rhythm just a tad. I promise you won't get lost. Um, but I just want to change it just a bit. Okay. So give, me a, give us a chord and we'll get started. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry I got lost just a second the last of the text is 1 John chapter 3 so grab your Bible
First John chapter 3, we're gonna, the reading begins with verse 16. Um, this is a come to Jesus passage too, but it is um, one of those come to Jesus passages, if you know what I mean. Uh, you ever have come to Jesus meetings? Okay, this is one of those kind of passages. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in him? So dear, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what he pleases, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, to come to the one who is his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us, the word of the Lord. It is an intentional direct reminder to first century Christians that this is how Jesus lived and that they are to live the same. It is an intentional reminder to 21st century Christians that Jesus lived this way and we are to live the same. One of the things that happens in times of uncertainty and change is that we typically tend to take it out on those people around us even though it's not their fault. John was writing to a church that was divided um, over the kinds of teachings that were being offered and there were some people who were behaving in unchristlike ways but John said you need to love. He was talking to some people who were wrestling with different differences of opinion, and John says to them, no, 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 Jesus lived this way. This is how we, you are to live too. So one of the things that happens to us, at least one of the things that happens to me, I'll use me and maybe you can apply it. One of the things that happens to me in all of the changes, especially the shifts that have gone, happened in my life this past year, is that it's easy for me to take out that feeling of uncertainty on the people around me. He doesn't let us do that. He expects us to love like he loved. He invites us then, this is a come to Jesus verse. He says, come to me. Live like I lived. Love like I love. And do it today and do it tomorrow. Let's come to Jesus. Ask Angie to sing this song. Stand with me, would you? Jesus, it's been our intention to hear from you today. 
it's been our intention to uh, come to you in new ways. And I thank you for the way that your grace works in, in the lives of my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the way that you're, you're working your will through us as a community of faith. We pray, we ask for your guidance. We ask, we allow ourselves to, we ask for you to be our shepherd again. We come to you with all of the things that have been challenging us and we give them to you, we rest them in you. And we do that today, we intend to do it tomorrow, but well, give us the grace to make that so. Thank you for being one to whom we can turn. Thank you for being one who expects more of us than we expect of ourselves. Thank you for being the one who makes it possible. We trust you with it. We trust us with you. And we pray it in your name. And all the people who belong to Jesus said, Amen. 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 Go in his peace.